Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. musicians as we turn to the book of Revelation chapter 5 the book of Revelation the fifth chapter and from the sixth verse until the sixth uh, until the tenth verse I found it written this manner. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns. And seven, eyes. and seven eyes, 
which are seven spirits of God sent forth into all the world, on the earth, all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four uh, beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred. and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. First Peter 2 verse 9 But he are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that he should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. We appreciate the Lord as we bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, this morning as mortals we approach you, the immortal one. Dear God, realizing that you are the almighty God and there is no God like you. You are a very able God. Whatever you set out to do, you do it. And there is no hindrance that has ever prevented you from fulfilling your word. Even our unbelief can never hinder you. When it is thou, says the Lord, it's bound to happen. We pray, dear God, for the people that have gathered here this morning and those that are listening over the airwaves as well. And dear God, whatever is going to be spoken here, let it be edifying. Let it make us to love you more. Let us make it have the desire for the rapture. And because our prophet has told us that the world is falling apart. 
we have had during this week of the king of the north, Russia, speaking about how they are ready to do whatever it takes to humble the United States of America as they are preparing to invade Ukraine. We can see the tempers are rising. And there is a quotation in the message that all it will take, it is just a one drunk person on a vodka. And the whole world will go into a tailspin where it can even turn into a charcoal. But dear God, the reason things are still seeming to be manageable, it is not because of the ability of negotiators. It is not because of how reasonable people may be, but it's because there is the bride of Jesus Christ upon the face of the earth. And I'm glad this morning to say I'm part of that number. And I'm glad that people that are here can say we are glad to be part of that number. And dear God, help us to be alive to the moment, to realize where we are at this juncture, where scripture meets a scripture, where a quotation meets a quotation. And Lord, to prove that you are not a liar, you are a weight keeper, a promise keeper, a way maker, a miracle worker. We think of so many adjectives when we think about you because, Lord, it just makes our heart to bubble with joy. I've heard how you answer to the prayers of many of my brethren here. Many have expressed the desires towards our prayer meeting, but before it could happen, already there are testimonies coming that remove this, put that, because this has already been answered. That's the God that I worship. The, the same that the brother Brenham came and said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We bring thanksgiving for Brother Chetty for finding a job. You are, an, you are an amazing God. You are Jehovah Jireh. If there are brothers in the building looking for jobs, for financial breakthroughs, for marital breakthroughs, for health breakthroughs, whatever breakthrough that they need, I'm standing in the gap as a pastor this morning and I'm presenting their prayers to you. I say, God, may you move down and move upon every request and move upon every desire, move upon every wish and make it a reality, dear God. I'm glad we worship you. We don't worship a stature. We don't worship an idol. We worship the almighty God, the one that opened the Red Sea, the one that was able to be with the Hebrew children in the fire, the one that was in the lion's den with Daniel. Dear God, you are God. Who else can be our God except you, dear God? That's why we glorify your name as we commit everything to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. But bless you richly as you take your seats. Amen. 
We appreciate the Lord for His grace and mercy. Amen. And then we'll just take a couple of minutes and just speak on a few things. Amen. Uh, God bless you, my brother Manaso, and your wife. Amen. We appreciate it to see you. Amen. And then we are looking forward to brothers' prayer meeting. Amen. All the brothers we gather here for a prayer meeting will let you know of the program. It won't take long, but we just want to speak to our God. Are you happy, sisters, for brothers to gather in prayer? Amen. As others gather in the taverns, uh, a holy man will gather here and speak to God on behalf of the church. Amen. I am looking forward to that. It was just something that was on my heart. And normally when something is on my heart, it is for a reason. Amen. It is for a reason. Now, this morning I want to speak on the priesthood of the saints. The priesthood of the saints. There are times where we spoke about the Aaron, Aaronic priesthood. We spoke about the Melchizedek priesthood. But, excuse me, this morning, let us just speak on the priesthood of the saints. Because there is a phrase there, my brother, Lucky, in Revelation 5, verse 10, where as they sang a new song after there was a, what we would call a sombre mood, a, a, a despondent mood, a depressed mood because no one was worthy to take the book. But after the book had been taken, then the Bible says, then they sang a new song. Amen. And then it said, uh, in that verse, it said, they sang a new verse saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and thou hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. Amen. Then Peter comes and he says, ye are a chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. Made us uh, unto our God, a, a, a kings and priests. And here he comes, he says, royal priesthood. You could, never, you could have never been a priest and a king at the same time in Israel. In the Old Testament, you could have never become a king and a priest at the same time. Are you with me? Those lines never converged. They always ran parallel. But there was a time when somebody attempted to my brother, if you bring Second Chronicles and we see King Ozia, uh, uh, Second Chronicles 26, 
verse 16 to 21, if you bring it on your software. And we look at uh, King Ozias' uh, disobedience uh, while God had anointed him to be a king. And then we turn around and see him playing a role of a priest, and God was not pleased about that. It's Second Chronicles 16. And the Bible says, you know, King Ozia became a king at the age of 16. Uh, and he became the most successful, youngest king in Israel at the age of 16. And the Bible says, as long as he sought the face of the Lord, he prospered. Folks, here is a key word. As long as he sought the face of the Lord, he prospered. Uh, And if it applies to him, it applies to everyone here. If you seek the will of the Lord, God will make you prosper. I believe that 100%. But uh, something later happened. And that is why uh, when, when God blesses you, always check your sense of humility. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, if God uh, 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 takes you higher, you see that you get more and more humble. But with this king, and the Bible says, but when he was strong and his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. This is not a priest, this is a king who got lifted up. Hallelujah. Verse 17. And Azariah the priest went in after him with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. This mean fourscore it means what? Eighty. Are you here, brethren? So it was eighty priests or eighty priests that wanted to prevent him from uh, uh, committing an offense. You'll see every time you want to commit an offense, God will send people to stop you. To reason you out of what you want to do. Hallelujah. Then verse 18. And they withstood Ozia, the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Ozia, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priest, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary. For thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. They are telling him, it's not your ministry. They are telling him, it's not your office. You are a king, but you are not a priest. Uh, Hallelujah. Verse 19. Then Hosea was wroth. And, And when you are corrected, never get angry. When you are corrected, never get Amen. So then Ozia was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, he's angry with this 480 priests, 
And the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. What is the leprosy? It's sin. Hallelujah. While they were busy preventing him, right there, he got transfigured and he had begun to develop leprosy. Verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence, and he himself hastened also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. Verse 21. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. Can you imagine? It's not how you start, it's how you end. It's not how you start, it's how you end. Hallelujah. And dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now you are getting it here, that when he attempted to be a king, a priest, while he was a king, God smote him with leprosy, and the end was the end where he became a leper. During that time, a leper was never embraced by the community. You became an outcast from being a revered man, a respected man, and a man that was treated with dignity to a point where he was now a reject of the community because of disobedience. But what he wanted to do He wanted to do what God did not want him to do. And Brother Brenham says in this message, humble thyself. He says, paragraph 94, this one you have to read with me so that it gets engraved on your subconscious mind. In the message, humble thyself, 94. And if you want to get somewhere with God, are you here, church? And if you want to get somewhere with God, Never let an arrogant spirit ever come around you. What attracts God is this characteristic humility. And arrogancy repels God or drives him away. Are you with me? So this man became arrogant and later he was smote with leprosy. Now, in the seventh church age, my brother, paragraph 55, while I'm trying to build my, my, my message here. Is it visible on the screen? It's not. Is it visible on the screen? Oh, all right. Sometimes we may say it depends on your eyesight. Brother Bram continues on the phrase, he made us priests and kings unto God. And it says, he made us. Hallelujah. Amen. Not some, but us. He made us priests and kings unto God. Us is plural. Not made me priest and a king, but made us the church. Hallelujah. Made who as the church. This morning I'm addressing both kings and priests. 
and not a person next to you being a king, you being a priest or vice versa, you being both a king and a priest. It was not allowed in the Old Testament, but this morning it is allowed that I can address you as a royal priest. Are you with me? And not made me, uh, but made us the church. Now, he's addressing these seven church ages for its seven church ages. Now, he said, dominion and glory and be to him forever and ever has made us priests. Did you ever know what a priest is? What his office is? A priest is to make sacrifice, to make Enter a priest is to make uh, hallelujah. Oh, uh, uh, yes, you are a priest, as I call you out this morning. But furthermore, you need to know the role of your office. Here, yeah, it doesn't only refer to brothers only, it is referring to you, sisters, as well. Amen. You are as well priests. But a, a priest, uh, he says, a priest is to make a sacrifice to make intercession. And over in Hebrews, it said that we, the church, is the royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a holy nation, peculiar people, royal priesthood, offering, here it is now, offering spiritual sacrifices. And every man and woman that comes to God enters into that veil. Every man and woman that comes to God enters that veil. So when you are a priest, you've got to do spiritual sacrifices and you've got to make intercessions and those intercessions have got to be made beyond the veil. We'll break it down so that you understand when we speak about it this morning. How many here this morning have ever been prayed for? Prayed for, I'm not saying somebody laying hands on, where you know somebody has prayed for me. And, and how many say there are certain results in your life that are not a prayer, that, that are not the results of your prayers, but they are the results of somebody's prayers. And how many of you this morning are praying for others? Uh, hallelujah. I'm glad that I'm in the right audience where these are the priests making intercessions. Now, in Leviticus 1, verse 1 and 2, we are building there is somewhere where we are going. 1, verse 1 and 2, and maybe you read with me. The Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Saying, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle 
even of the head and even of the flock. When you carry on with it, this is where God was speaking through Moses of the expectations. And here, maybe let me remind you, when it comes to the priesthood, is God commanding. When it comes to the priesthood, is God selecting. Moses didn't go around and say, any volunteers, there was a precision as to who could become a priest. That's why they had to come from the lineage of Aaron. If you do not come from the lineage of Aaron, you could not become a priest. So it had to do with the bloodline. Are you with me, church? Then the third thing that we find out is that when they came there, they were given garments. There is a way that a priest had to be dressed. There is a way that a priest had to be dressed. This one let me emphasize here. It's not only, uh, and, and uh, today, this priest, there is a way that they must dress. I say this priest, there is a way that they must dress. Uh, are you with me? A, a priest, when you, you're going to look at the picture, their knees did not have to be exposed. Their knees did not have to be exposed. Hallelujah. That means if the brother is a priest and the sister is a priest, both their knees should never be exposed. Can I get an amen here? It's not only sisters that we say, you must make sure that your knees are not exposed. Even brothers as well, your knees should never be exposed. Are you with me? And my advice is, brothers, never wear a short. A man that wears a short belongs to a BSS, a big CC society. Hallelujah. And Brother Brenham, your prophet comes, he says, a short is a woman's underneath garment. The moment you wear a short, you have become a CC. Oh, can I get an amen here, brothers? Because why? You are a priest. I hope somebody can say amen to that. Now, another thing, they had to bring an oil. Why oil was necessary? Oil represents the Holy Ghost. You can never serve as a priest unless you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Then another thing that we find, they had to be consecrated. A priest had to live a certain life. His life was supposed to be very, very different from the rest of the lives in Israel. Another thing is that they had to come, and, and when they made that consecration, it was a public consecration. It's not something done in a private corner. That means their repentance and their consecration was a public activity. That means your repentance, your consecration, your consecrated life has got to be a billboard, you as a priest. And furthermore, they had to meet by the gate of the temple. What does it represent? It represents that we acknowledge that there is only one way that is provided by God, and it's Jesus Christ. 
Why did they have to gather around the temple? It's because it was God's chosen place of worship. Can we get an amen there? Don't worry, Brother Mutawi is attending to something. He briefed me. God bless you. He will be back shortly. Amen. Are you with me? Now, let's come here. Maybe, brother, let's bring the tabernacle for a while and let's show before, because this was the area of work for the priest. Amen. And then we were told many times that the tabernacle is faced to the eastern side, and then we all know by now, you have well been taught, that there were different items in the tabernacle. You had what we call the brazen altar, hallelujah, the brazen altar and the brazen lava, and you came into the second court, then you had uh, the seven candlesticks, then you had uh, the table of the shoe bread, then you had the altar of the incense, then you had a curtain, then behind the curtain is what we called the most holy place. And right there, that's where you found the, the cherubims. You found the mercy city. Do you remember that? I'm not on the tabernacle here. I'm on the priest. Now, brother, let's bring uh, this. In the, mercy, in the scripture, Exodus 28, verse 11. With the work of an engraver in stone... Like with the work of an engraver, that means maybe, maybe let's, let's just go two slides forward and come back to here. I needed the picture of the high priest. This is where we're going to come. And just to show you, you see, his knees were not exposed. Hallelujah. Are you sisters? Even when he was sitting down, his knees were not Even when he was sitting down, his knees were not. Oh, can I get an amen? amen? That's right. We will come onto this one. But let's go back where we were. I just wanted to give them a, a graphic view of the scripture that I'm about to read. Now, with the work of an engraver in stone, like this Exodus 28 verse 11, with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of the signet, shall thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel, thou shalt make them to be set in ouches of gold, and thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for the stones of memorial unto the children of Israel, and Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. That means when you go, maybe just go there to the high priest, it is referring to what was, because he had to put a breastplate on his breast. And then uh, the, there was a, what we call the shoulder strings, straps, where it was supposed to be hanging on his shoulders. There is somewhere where we are going. Now, let's come to this one. So it had to hang on his shoulders. 
this breastplate and this breastplate had the stones that were engraved with the names of the children of Israel. Exodus 28 verse 29, it says, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. And when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. That means the priest on the day of atonement, when he went into the holy place, or he went to appear before the presence of the Almighty God, in order to make intercession, he came bearing the names of Israel on his breastplate. Are you with me? And this breastplate was hanging on his shoulders. That means any priest, if it happened with the priest in the Old Testament, that means even the priests of the New Testament, when they appear before the Almighty God, they must have names engraved on the breastplates, on their hearts. And these names are hanging on their shoulders. What does it mean to hang on the shoulders? Galatians 6, verse 2. You read after me. Be ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. That means that the priest on the day of atonement could have never gone before God. Imagine the priest goes on the day of atonement. He makes a sacrifice. He comes, he washes himself by the brazen, by the, uh, the brazen lava. He goes into the second court. He eats the shoe bread. He goes past the seven candlesticks. He goes past the altar of the incense into the most holy place. He comes into the whole most holy place. Then he says, Lord, I'm here. I need a car. Lord, I'm here. I need this and this. That was going to be selfish of that priest. What did he have to do? He had to go in and not represent himself. I say he had to go in and not represent himself. He had to go in and represent others. And when he comes out after he has prayed a prayer, he must expect that his prayer is going to be answered, not in his life, but in the lives of others. Are you here, church, this morning? Are you here this morning? No wonder, Brother Brandon, in the message that day on Calvary, he says eternal life is for living for others. Eternal life is living for others. Let's come, my brother. When you look at the high priest, how he was dressed, isn't he dressed modestly? Isn't he dressed modestly, folks? Amen. Some people say, uh, get dressed in the manner that you want to be addressed. Now, here, now, this, the dressing here was not what he desired, was not what he liked, was not what he fancied, but it's what was scripturally prescribed. The priest does not do what he likes, the priest does what God likes. Can I get an amen here? 
Folks, even if the Cree priest could have admired maybe another clothing item in Israel, he could not dress in it. If it was never sanctioned by the scriptures. So he had to have a golden crown. And there were stones on the shoulders. He had to have what we call onyx shoulder pieces. And then he had to dress in a euphot and its, its cradle. And there had to be the breastplate. And then the robe had to be a blue robe. And then there had to be white inner robe. Hallelujah. I wish I could go into details. Why, why, sisters, why would the priest have the blue robe and have white inner robe? Are you here, sisters? What would be, what would be the purpose of the white inner robe underneath the blue robe? Oh, somebody, oh, you may clap hands for that sister. <laughs> what does it mean? It can be long, but everything can still be visible. Uh, can I get an amen here? Do, do you see how particular it was? Do you see how detailed it was? Look at, look at, the, look at the robe of the priest, it was flowing. It, 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 it wasn't tight. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't... Uh, hallelujah. Am I addressing priest this morning? Uh, even brothers, your, your trousers have got to flow. Uh, hallelujah. I say your trousers, brothers, they've got to... Hallelujah. To avoid shaping you. Hallelujah. And actually the first sign of a homosexual spirit is when you begin to want to show form as a brother. I'm preaching this morning. This is the priest. I'm taking it from the Old Testament and I'm bringing it into the New Testament. And folks, you may say, ah, Brother Madiba, you are backwards. Why would you want to preach about that thing? I want to tell you, God does not change his mind about his weight. Amen. If he could have rejected the high priest in, this, in the way that he could have dressed, other than the way of the scriptures, he would reject us today. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Then right at the bottom of the robe, he had bells and pomegranates, bells and pomegranates. What has happened? These bells, as he moved into the tabernacle, these bells would ring. And maybe let's bring this title, The Witness, paragraph 144. It says, why when Aaron... Why, when Aaron the great priest, when he went into the holiest of holies, pecking the blood, you can never approach God without the shedding of the blood. Folks, if God was to look at you today with a naked eye, he will strike you dead. 
I don't care how long you have been in the message. I don't care how many message books you have read. I don't care how long you have called yourself a message believer. But if God was to look at you with a naked eye, he will strike you dead. We make so many mistakes on a daily basis. Am I correct? No wonder even the great apostle Paul says, we die daily. And Brother Branham says, many times when God looked at me, he says there was always a bumper. He says every time God would look at my sin, but he would look at my sin through the blood of Jesus, and red through red became, became white. Are you with me? This one I need to emphasize. There is no meeting place between God and a believer outside the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? The blood qualifies you to worship the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And actually, without the shedding of the blood, you have got no business mentioning the name of the Lord. That's why when you look at a man called Abel, he got it by revelation that it was not the vegetables, but it was the shedding of the blood. Hallelujah. It was the shedding of Hallelujah. And the shedding of the blood qualifies a believer. I hope we are together. Now he says, and when Aaron the great priest, when he went into the holiest of holies, pecking the blood, they had to dress him in a certain way. And he had to walk in a certain way. He had to be a witness for God. He took the blood and went forward. And on the hems of his garments, and at the bottom was a bell in a pomegranate, and a bell in a pomegranate. He had to walk so that it played holy, holy unto the Lord. That means his walk had to be spiritually melodical. Why it had to be holy, holy unto the Lord is because this earthly tabernacle was patterned after the heavenly one. In heaven it was holy, holy unto the Lord. On earth it was holy, holy unto the Lord. And this priest this morning, their walk has got to be melodical. I hope we are together here. Talk about holiness. And the reason that bell rang against the pomegranate was the only way that they knowed that God had, had enslaved him. The only way that he knowed he was alive when he was back there. They could listen and hear the bell and hear the noise. Go back to the tabernacle, brother. Now, before maybe you move from the high priest, actually around his waist... They had, he had a rope around him. And this rope was all the way, was going as he moved in into the most holy place. This rope was overlapping outside. You know why? Because as you go back to the tabernacle, my brother. Now, he had to come through the eastern gate. Yes, Hallelujah. Firstly, before he comes... He had to be consecrated. And when he comes, he had to be dressed in a certain way. And he had to come. The priest could not jump into the tabernacle. 
He had to come. There was only one gate, which was on the eastern gate. And this morning, we are not ashamed as the gospel preachers to say, there is only one way to heaven, and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this one I will repeat. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can never jump your way into heaven. There is only one God-provided way. Then he had to come and make a sacrifice here. Yeah? And he had to come and wash himself here. And you as the priest, I'm talking to you this morning. You had to come here to the tabernacle. Not to this tabernacle. This is not God's chosen place of worship. This is our, God, our chosen place of worship. That's why it will never be perfect. There will be ups and downs and so forth. But there is only one place that's God's provided way of worship. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. So a priest can never worship anywhere else except by the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle signified the presence of God among the Israelites. They came, you can't worship God in a church. You have to worship God in Christ. This will let me repeat. You can't worship God in a church. You've got to worship God in Christ. What is God's provided way of worship, chosen place of worship? Is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not this building. It's not this group. Hallelujah. Then when you come, you had to find Christ first, not a church. A lot of times people get frustrated because they find a church and they don't find Christ. And when you find a church and you don't find Christ, I'm telling you, you're on a journey of disappointments. But when you have found Christ, Christ is above a church. And Christ is above a group. And when you have found Christ, you never leave Christ. Hallelujah. And you don't join Christ, you are born into Christ. They had to be, they had to come to the tabernacle. They had to enter on the eastern gate. And they had to move towards west because the gospel comes from the east to west. Then as, it, as they moved in, the first thing that was there, it was the altar. What is the altar? When you come, the first thing that you need to accept is to accept the sacrifice, sacrifice that was offered on Calvary. You are, no longer a, you are not a Christian until you accept that Jesus Christ died and rose for you. Amen. You have got to accept a Calvary. That is why Paul says the teachings of the cross to some is mockery, but to us is the power of God. Yes. Have you seen in recent times they make mockery of Calvary? But the Calvary is the very lifeline for a believer. And after you have accepted that at the altar, uh, then you've got to come at the lava. At the lava, that is where the priest would come and wash themselves. You have to come and accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And then you've got to come through the water baptism. Amen. A priest can never go into the most holy place 
unless the priest has been washed first. And the washing, Peter says, is not the washing of the dirt of the body, but is to ask for a new conscience from the Lord. And what is the baptism? Is the identification of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you have not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be a priest. Let me repeat. If you have not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be a priest. Now, after that, then he moves in into the second court. Now, I said there had to be a robe around his waist. Because later on, he moves into the most holy place. When the priest moved into the most holy place, there is a curtain that was there. And that curtain had to drop behind him to close the world away from him. Hallelujah. And when in the message why are people so toast about paragraph 119, he says, and a man that once walks into God and the veil drops behind him, shutting off the things of the world, He's in the presence of God eating manna. So the priest, the reason they had to be a rope around his waist is because they kept on listening as to whether the bells were still ringing. The bells was to signify that there is still life. Hallelujah. When, 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 when you come, you as a priest, and you come into the presence of God, and the word is being proclaimed, and you're in the presence of God, and you raise your hands, and you say hallelujah, and you say amen, where there is noise, noise signifies life. Yes, hallelujah. Yes, a corpse can never glorify God. A corpse can never be an amen corner. But whether it's life is because you're going to punctuate every word with an amen because you say, that's my property. I hope we are together. The noise, folks, go back to the temple, tabernacle. The the curtain, it was made of badger skins. It had to drop behind him. That means when he was there in the most holy place, he was insulated, he was, he was, he was protected from the noise of the world. Amen. The priest, when he's here, because remember, around the tabernacle, it was the tribes of Israel. Amen. But it can't be while he's here, all of a sudden he's arguing with somebody that is there. He can't be here and say, hey, on, this one gossiped about me. They will wonder, priest, how did you hear? Because once you have gone into the most holy place, a curtain drops behind. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. Once you go in there, you are never affected by the noise of the world. You are never affected by the hatred of the world. You are never affected by the gossip of the world. If you still get affected by gossip, my brother, oh, you are at a long locality. The people that are here are not distracted by anything. Their focus is on the messy seat. 
their focus is on eating the hidden manna. And that manna gets fresh every day. You can tell them that, hey, they spoke about you. They cannot hear you. I hope we are together. Uh, but if you are still the, the person that, hey, we must have a meeting about you, they did goes, ah, you are very far. When you are here and you hear that somebody has talked bad about you, what do you make? You make an intercession. And say, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. What is happening? You are carrying the names on your breast. You are carrying the names of your loved ones. Your family, your wife, your children, everybody's on your, you are coming before God and say, it's not me, but I'm standing here on behalf of my brother. I'm standing here on behalf of my sister. You are standing in the gap. Are you still with me? There's still somewhere where we are going. You know, let me give an example. William Brenham comes to demonstrate in our time of what it means to be a priest. His wife, Sister Mira, is diagnosed with a growth. She has what seemed like a cancerous growth. And it was the size of an orange. And she was battling and she was in this excruciating pain. And as she was there, the doctor had to go and check, and Brother Brenham was supposed to go somewhere. Excuse me, and he says, every time I traveled, there is somewhere where we would gather in the house, and my wife would pray for me, I would pray for them, the children would pray for us, we would have a family altar there. But he says, this time she was not around because she was sick, she had to, be go, she had to go and be seen by a specialist. But while he was there in this message, he is unfolding words of promise. Listen to what a priest says in the presence of God. He says, I said, paragraph 128, he said, I said, Lord, I've talked to you now for these two years, 16 years. I said, the last two years since that happened. Father, she has never failed to be a real wife to me. This is a man performing a priestly duty on behalf of his own wife. He said, Father, she has never failed to be a real wife to me. When I get to go on the services, never one time did she ever complain. Not one time. Always gets my clothes cleaned and my shirts laundered and everything and have them all ready for me. And then when I come home, I'm so tired, I can't. It's usually a woman that would want her husband to be with her. I come in, people crowding in. What do I do? Get off on a hunting trip or a fishing trip. Did she ever complain? Not one time. Go get my clothes ready and let me go on. That's all right. The poor little fellow, 44 years old, snow-white-headed, standing between me and the public, I said, God, she didn't mean that that morning. She really didn't mean it. Father, her actions show she didn't mean it. 
She was just nervous. Hallelujah. She was what? Just nervous. Carry on, my brother. So help me for the fifth time that's been done. Since the squirrels then down in Kentucky, then the riot children down there, then that storm on the mountain, which I haven't had time to tell you tonight and this time, just as certain. There comes that light hanging down there. And it said, stand up on your feet. What is this light? The Shekinah glory. This man had entered into the most holy place in his own house. And the Lord says, stand up on your feet. And I stood up and he said, whatever you say, that's the way it will be. Hallelujah. He's standing, he's making an intercession. He's presenting to God and saying, she has been a lovely woman. For all these years, she has never given me a headache. Oh God, you need to step in. And the voice says, whatever you say, that's the way it will be. And he said, I said, the hand of God will dissolve the tumor before the doctor's hand can touch it. Hallelujah. What happened when she went on? The doctor says, Sister Brenham, we don't know what happened. It is no longer there. It was there, but it's no longer there. What moved it when a man realized I'm a priest in my own house and I can make an intercession? Oh God, give us such men. Give us such prayer warriors that can make intercessions on behalf of their families. Are you still with me? Come, my brother. It says, in this message, question and answers, paragraph 169, it says, I would rather have a church that had such a burden on their heart for prayer that they stayed at this altar and would be here day and night and everything else and in their house was constantly in prayer and humble and trying to get people to come to God and making calls at the hospital and visiting the sick and trying to get people to come to church and do right. I would rather have that than all the other put together, although the other is right, it belongs in the church. Brother Branham said, I would rather have a church that is more focused on prayer. Are you still with me? Go and check one quotation. It says, prayer is what I depend on. He says, it is the key to all the mysteries. Are you still with me? If you want to get somewhere with God, talk to God. Spend time with God. Speak to God about issues and about people for intercession. He says in God projecting his love, paragraph 26. He says, if ever I had a time of success of praying for anyone, is when I could enter into the fellowship with them and feel their infirmities, feel their conditions. You can never be an effective intercessor 
until you have empathy for people. You know, the problem today, what has eroded empathy within the body is because whenever somebody tells you a problem, you are already thinking how you can blame them for the problem. Not every problem can be blamed on an individual. Then something, it says, you feel the conditions. Then something in you goes down beyond the reasoning and prays the prayer of faith for the sick. You've got to feel for a man. We've got to feel for... You've got to feel for a man. But have you realized because of the cruelty of our time, we have lost a feeling for the people? He says, you've got to sympathize with him. You've got to be with him before you can help him. Then you enter into some sort of deepness. Is the, and it says, is the love of God. He tells you his problem. You listen to the problem. You sympathize with the problem. Then you put yourself in the shoe of this person. How many of you it has ever happened? You look at a blind man, maybe a blind woman, maybe a crippled person, and you look at them and say, oh God, this man... Only if we could heal this man, he could become a better husband. He could become a better father. She could become a better mother. And you look at them, then your heart is provoked by a sense of empathy. You are putting yourself in their shoes. And as you do that, then the prophet says, you are entering some deepness. And he says, that's the love of God. So that means you can never come to a point where you experience and express the love of God until you have a feeling for a person. Brother Brown says it's beyond human love. It's now divine love. And when divine love is projected, sovereign grace takes over. And what has become scarce during our time, folks, I have often, I have officiated in many funerals. And I've stood next to open caskets where the people will come and do body viewing. And I've observed at no point in time have I ever stood behind an open casket with the corpse inside and the family and relatives coming and I look at the expression I have never seen anyone looking there and say that's it I have seen even people that I would have assumed they are the enemies of a dead man they are coming with a sense of sympathy because you can't fight a dying man Uh, are you still with me There are certain things that seem very important, but later on as you progress in life, they mean absolutely nothing. The very person that you hate, when you hear that they are gone, you only think of them in terms of a soul, not a body. And the moment you love the soul, 
more than you love the body, is no longer a human love, it's God's love. Are you with me? Brother, in thy house, he says, I believe. That's you, that's where you people praying for your children. I tell you, is this where we're still there? In the message, their house, you're on presuming, or maybe before we get there, oh, it's fine, let's leave it there. Presuming paragraph 373, it says, I tell you what, let me say to the members of this church here, I'll say it to any member's church, you consecrate this church to God. You consecrate this church to God and all of its members and consecrate it to God, every one of you, with a holy life before God. With what? Not before the pastor. Not before the deacons. I don't know you. You don't know me. But God knows us better. God knows our thoughts. God knows our secret movements. But it says when you consecrate it, all its members, every one of you, with a holy life before God, watch what will take place. When that church binds itself, and starts praying, the prayers of those people begin to go up before God. He will not turn it down. Did you hear the qualifier? If this church can consecrate itself and consecrate every member to God, hallelujah, and furthermore, come before God with a holy life, and when they begin to bind themselves in that manner and start to pray, the prayers of those people begin to go up before God. He will not turn it down. There is no prayer that God can never answer. I expected a better amen than that one. There is no prayer that God can never answer. If, if a man comes before God and is consecrated, and he lives a holy life. There is no way that his prayers can be tainted down. Yes, are you still with me? Yes. And if you are living a holy life. And you are consecrated. And you come before God. But there is no answer. You had much better not to sleep. You had much better become disparate. Lord, where am I missing? Where are the gaps in my life? Because if there is something that is not right, I want to take it out and consecrate myself and live a holy life, then God will answer your prayer. I say God will answer your prayer. I say God will answer your prayer. I say God will answer your prayer. It doesn't matter how impossible it is, God will answer your prayer. And you've got to have a burden on your heart. Amen. And speak to God. Say, Lord, what must I do? And as a pastor, I sometimes I have burdens for you. 
Serious parents, when things are not working out in your life, it affects me. That why is this not working out? Why, Lord, this is not what you promised. It cannot be a life of misery. No, Lord, that's not what you promised in the weight. Then I go before God with your name on my breast. And I begin to ask and say, Lord, you've got to intervene there. Are you still with me here? And while I'm at it, God still has jobs. I say, God still has jobs for the believers because he is Jehovah Jireh. And I say, Lord, you cannot make us beggars. Lord, you cannot make us beggars. You have to come and bring a breakthrough in every avenue of our life so that we can glorify your name. Come on, church, are you here? I'm talking about people that can take matters before God. Are you with me? Brother Chetty, we have been struggling to get a job. It was on my heart. I kept on checking how are things. It can only, it will affect you at some point in time as a man who's a provider. I said, God, where are you? Where? We need you. I was glad when he dropped me and said, remove that prayer request. God has answered it. I said, God, that's how I know. That's how you move. Are you with me? Yes, yes Brother Mutau. He struggled to get a job. He went business and back and forth, back and forth. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, it cannot be. What are we going to preach about if you are not doing anything? What are we going to present and say this is what you are doing? You've got to come on the scene. Are you still here, church? He is appointed. He's working now. I'm not glorifying me. I'm not glorifying him. I'm glorifying the almighty God. And hear me, folks. I still go say, God still has more. I say, our God still has more. Our God was never affected by COVID-19. Yes, it affected the world. It affected the companies. But it never affected the almighty God. But we need men of prayer. We need men that are consecrated. We need men that can appear before God with a holy life. And say, I'm not here for me, Lord. I'm here for my brother. I'm not here for me. I'm here for this family. Then you begin to see God coming down to break the cycle. Hallelujah. Generational curses being broken. Hallelujah. Curses being reversed. That's what I'm talking about. But it needs the priest. Consecration. I say, God, we are not academics. You know, an academic is somebody that just deals with concepts. But the concepts, hallelujah. You know, you went to, to some university. You found that this man has got knowledge, but it's not working for him. Hallelujah. But somebody without a degree, their knowledge is working for them. And so we can't have full knowledge of the message, but not have the results of the message. 
I beg to differ. If you have come to this church this morning, it's not by mistake. You come so that I can tell you there is a God that still answers prayers. Your situation, your situation is not permanent. Hallelujah, it is for a season. And maybe you came to church this morning so that we stand in the gap as the royal priest and say, Lord, this man has been here for a while. This woman has been here for a while. Break a cycle for them. Are you still with me? Then he comes in the message, thy house. He says, I believe that's where you people praying for your children. That's the reason your children has the manners. And the real lady and gentleman in this wild age that we are living in. Yet, that part about them, that's the best I know of any kids. See, well, I think the reason of that is because it's your prayers for them. That's why, no matter what, never cease praying for them. Commit them to God. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are over the influence of schools. Your prayers are over the influence of the curriculum. Even your prayers are over the power of the constitution. Because you report to a higher constitution. And you have committed them to God. And holding on. I've had many parents. We have had many young people that came into this church. Some they came because of school. Some they came into church. And we've had good reports where they come and say, you as a church, you've raised my children. Says, when I send them to school, I never thought they would be back. But look how they have turned. Then I said, it's not because of our parental skills. It's because we commit them to God. And we preach the gospel to them. And the gospel brings a deliverance. And folks, even if they leave children, don't worry. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. The prayer is going after them. You know, I, I read a quotation the other time where Brother Brenham was baptizing his nephew and Billy Paul. And it says, oh God, I wish this morning you can open the banister and allow the mothers of these two boys to stand on the banister. And it says, I remember vividly, very well when the mother of this nephew, there was the, the, his nephew, you say, I remember his mother, Ruth. Before she died, she used to pray for this boy. And say, I wish this boy can grow up to worship God and to love God. He says, oh God, many years later, after she's gone, you have answered that mother's prayer. Many years later, well, she's in the grave and the soul is beyond in the sixth dimension. But the prayer went after the boy. 
and say, Mommy was praying for you. And Mommy's prayer is still standing. And at the right time, because Mommy was not just an ordinary Mommy, but Mommy was a priest. And she was making intercessions. Oh God, give us such mothers. Give us such fathers. The greatest phrase that you would ever hear, I have prayed for you. He says to Peter, the devil wanted to sift you. But don't worry, I have prayed for you. And when you go and check the I, I have prayed for you. The you, when you check it in Hebrew, it refers, it's plural. plural. It was not referring only to Peter. He's referring to every disciple. The devil wanted to sift you. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the high priest of your confessions, I have prayed for you. His prayer is still moving on. Amen. The angel and the commission. Now, this ties up with what I would want and request for the church. Brother Branham says you can laugh too much. He says you can eat too much. You can sleep too much. But you can never, you can never pray too much. The devil, or maybe if I get to the devil because he is a non-entity. Brother Brenham, many times throughout his ministry, until he was taken home, he would encourage believers to pray at certain points during the day. And they would have an agreed time where they would go into prayer around that time. And it says, you should watch the testimonies that took place when believers, it says, even if we are traveling, we knew that we were using the Eastern time to wake up wherever we are or to stop whatever we're doing and to go into prayer. It says, this prayer cloth that we've sent around the world, the testimonies, is not so much the prayer cloth, it's because of the prayer, what he called a chain prayer. You know, and the, he preferred three o'clock in the morning. And I've requested you from today until Saturday. From today until Saturday. Twelve o'clock every day at midnight. You set your alarm. You wake up. It would be good to encourage even your children to join you. I know Satan tells you, hang on. How are they going to get to school? Because we wake up them at 12. You can allow them to play a PS4. They will still wake up. Is it so? TV game the whole day. But they wake up. 
But the moment we speak about prayer, there is that consciousness. You see what the devil does. I'm not saying it's compulsory for them, but if I were you, I would advise that, would you ask them to say, join us. At that time, you don't pray for the needs of your family. Forget about your family. Forget about their needs. You channel the prayer towards somebody in this church or towards the ministry or towards anybody, any believer in this church. Are you going to take me up on that? I don't say do it for three months. One week from tonight until Saturday night. Then we watch what God will do among us. Folks, I, I, you know, when, when I was thinking, you know, when, you, when God lays something on your heart, the devil would want to run some thoughts and say, uh, you know, how will the people interpret and say, but it's what God has put in my heart. And if God has put it, he's put it for a reason. Are, are you still with me? Now, Brother Brenham says in the message, the angel and the commission. It says, night time. And I've got some prayer requests that I will circulate. Those that have forwarded them to you for your consideration. And if you've got a prayer request, but you feel like you don't want to say it what it is, you can say, just remember me, it's an unspoken request. God can hear and know unspoken requests. In the message, the angel and the commission, the prophet says, night time, well, all demon powers, you know, night time is where there is a hyperactivity of demons. Even the person that looked like they were getting better during the day, at night, <laughs> they go to sleep and all of a sudden, they become worse. Yeah. Uh, casualties are normally full. Even today, if you lodge an insurance claim and say you had an accident at 11 o'clock, what do they do? They normally send an investigator to check your tracker, where were you? And if you buy pasta, or you're pasta by McDonald's, they go and ask for footage at McDonald's. You know why? Because they know that demons are busy at that night. Yeah. And the most dangerous demon that insurance companies know that is very active that time is alcohol. Yeah. You are at McDonald's, but you've got a Heineken then it gets declined. Oh yes, they have done that. I know a guy, well, that is my former colleague, he got involved in an accident and he lost a claim and there was a young Indian assessor that went and checked and checked transactions on his bank card and found out that he swiped at News Cafe mainly to buy alcohol. And they traced how long he stayed there. And they said, I declined. <laughs> they can know that around that. But if you lodge an insurance claim and say, 
I got involved in an accident at 11 o'clock in the morning. They said I was on his way to work. But 11 at night. <laughs> they don't even care whether you are in fundis. They want to check. Where were you from? And if you were a very naughty pastor, they decline and people ask, hey, what happened to the insurance? Yeah, you know the devil hates us. <laughs> Amen. Night time. Night time. When all demon powers shut it down towards the morning. When they are not roaming, that's the time the Holy Spirit moves in and talks to me. Go early if you want to pray. Rise up early. And I'm saying we're going to do it at 12 o'clock midnight so that after that you've got a few hours to rest. Don't allow spiritual laziness to creep upon you. A priest is never lazy because a priest has got a burden. There will always be something for you to pray for. Our young people, the marriages, the ministry, the healing, the requirement, the requests of the saints, there will always be something that makes you to stand in the gap. Are you, are you with me, folks? And when you go, remove all the blame game. Don't say, maybe because, remove it. Yes, some you will pray for them because they've been misbehaving. You know, when Moses comes before God and God says, I want to strike Israel, Moses expresses a priestly role. He says, Lord, you can't destroy them. What would the people say? You removed, you took them out of Egypt in order to destroy them in the wilderness. Lord, repent, and God repented. Because why? Moses was a priest. It was the spirit of Christ in him. Are you here, church? I hope we are together. Will we be praying for one another? Brother Brenham says, when you pray for somebody, many times it's you that gets help. I say, don't mention your needs, but God will see your needs as you come on behalf of somebody. And imagine the joy that you will see when you see your own prayer being answered in somebody's life. And say, that's a product of my prayer. Amen. Folks, it's going, to, it's going to, you know, the prayers of the saints. When you go and check in the tabernacle, the altar of incense. It was the altar that had perfumed spices. It was what made the place to smell nice. And we find that it represented the prayers of the saints in heaven. When the saints get together to pray, it creates such an aroma. Are you here, church? Heaven gets attracted to that. And you will see a shift. 
I say, you will see a shift. And when you approach that, remove skepticism. Remove, remove your interpretation and say, Lord, for you to call this, there's got to be a reason. Imram understood. He went up into, into the antique. And Brother Bram says his wife, Jacobeth, said, No, you are tired. You have worked all the day. Others will pray. He said, Imram said, It is not the duty for others, it's my duty. And he went there and prayed. He was not praying for his family. He prayed for Israel. And said, Lord, you said you will sojourn in a foreign land. And we'll be in captivity, but you will come and deliver us. He prayed every night, all night. And then in the morning, he would go and do hard labor. Come back and pray. Guess what? God said, I need to send a deliverer. But whose family shall host a deliverer? It has to be a man that stood before my face day in and day out. A deliverer was born through Imram. And I said, when you go before God and you present the needs of others, watch what God will do in your own space. He will honor your prayer. God bless you, priests. As we stand to our feet. Will we do that, folks? Everybody, let's say, be still and know that I'm God.
and you are caught up between two extreme conditions. And you say, if I go this way, it will swallow me. If I go this one, this way, it will swallow me. And as you are caught up there, and you say, be still and know that I'm God. And God makes the two conditions to swallow one another. What wasn't the case? Israel is being followed by the Egyptian army. Here is the ocean, the sea before them. Here is the army coming. God opens the, the sea. They move over. Then the very problem that was before them solved the problem behind them. <laughs> I remember I said this in Zimbabwe some I think it was 20, somewhere there, we had a convention at the sports center. I said this phrase, and somewhat the late brother Tutani jumped onto the stage and took the mic from the interpreter and stopped me as I was preaching, and he interpreted. And I was wondering what's going on, and because the whole 25,000 people erupted. And then I turned around and said to Pastor Chitini, what did he say? He said, he just interpreted what you said. Then later asked, he said, at that moment, he thought what God was speaking, the church had missed it. And he was inspired. I mean, to jump onto a stage and stop a service with 25,000 people and interpret and stop the preacher. And people got it. The problem before you will solve the problem behind you. We're looking forward to testimonies among us. We are looking forward to testimonies. You're going to see. You're going to see. Come. We said no one will die of Corona. Ne? Even our backsliders were saved. Even our backsliders were saved. And now we say we are going towards something. Some breakthroughs. Some shifts in our lives. Some results in our lives. God at work in our lives. Reign. King Jesus. Reign. King Jesus. Oh, the matters resolved, brother. Mutau. I was praying in my office. I said, you are not going anywhere. God bless you. Let's sing. Rain, King Jesus. I think when it comes to the end, we're all going to pray. And maybe we start right now. You don't pray yourself. You pray for somebody. Has it ever happened where God has put somebody on your heart? I found a brother, I think a week ago, I said, brother, you've been on my heart. He said, pastor, it was God that directed you. Because at this point, as you phoned me, I was thinking of one, two, three. I say, it's God that moved on my heart. It's how God is not going to come with a thunderstorm. He's just going to create a burden and say, that sister, that brother, that young person, 
And God wants you to do something about it. Rain, King Jesus, rain.
in our own way as we all pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, the Almighty God, the Creator of heavens and earth, we appreciate you, we glorify your name, we lift you up above every being and every situation and every condition. You are indeed the Lord of Lords. You are indeed the King of Kings. You are the Almighty God. You are beyond, dear God, every principality. You are beyond every demonic power. You are beyond every situation and every condition. You are beyond every problem, Heavenly Father. We appreciate you. We glorify you. We love you. We appreciate you, dear God. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for answering our prayers. Even before we say them, we know you have already answered them. Thank you for resolving our problems. Even before we present them to you. Thank you for healing our sicknesses. Even before we present them to you. Oh God, we are, have the audacity to glorify your name. To testify about you. Even before you do things. Because no, we know. You keep your weight. If you said it, that settles it. It will be done. We appreciate you. We pray for every brother and every sister in the building and even those that are listening on the airways. I pray for them, dear God. I pray for their needs. I pray for their conditions. I pray for their situations. Everything that they are going through, I'm now standing in the gap and presenting it to you. I say, God, you are not a failure. You have never been defeated. You are a warrior, not just a warrior, but you are great in battle. Every battle that you have ever been invited to, you overcame that battle. Even this morning, dear God, through all battles, we invite you to come down and respond to various battles and all demonic powers. We point them in the name of Jesus Christ. We lift you up, dear God. We glorify your name because, Lord, you do the miracles. You are one awakened God. If the situation is impossible and the doctors cannot figure it out, oh God, you're the great physician. You can make a diagnosis. And not only a diagnosis, but you can provide, dear God, a spiritual medication that can resolve any sickness. Hence, we are praying for you, dear God. Here are our brothers and sisters. Some of them are looking for jobs. But dear God, I stood behind the pulpit this morning with courage, knowing that I'm preaching about a God that can do miracles. I'm preaching about a God that can answer prayers. May you respond to their prayers. May you grant them their needs. May you bring the breakthroughs that they are looking for. If it be financial, provide it dear God. If it is marital, provide it dear God. If it is health-wise, provide it dear God. If it is inspiration, provide it dear God. 
if they need a closer relationship with you, may you come closer to them. May you be there for them. May they feel your presence, dear God. May you protect them. May you protect our children. May you protect our families. May you protect this church. May you lead to this church. May you guide this church. That anyone that comes here, if they are sick, dear God, may they not go home sick. If they are lame, dear God, you've got power to make them walk. If they are dumb, dear God, you can make them to speak. Because the scripture says, these signs and wonders shall go, shall follow you. We know, dear God, you will do them. You have done it for Paul. You have done it for Peter. You have done it for Brother Brennan. You can do it for us even today. Oh God, you are alive. You are powerful. You are able. We appreciate you to have the kind of God that we have in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, dear Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, dear God, for all the things that you are doing. May the Holy Spirit sweep over these people at this hour. May they be healed. Oh God, may they have peace that surpasses all human understanding. Whatever they need, you know what is in their hearts. May you respond to the needs in their hearts even though they are not spoken so that they come and glorify your name and say the Lord has done it once I came the more you do the more we testify the more you heal us the more we testify the more you provide for us the more we testify we are not ashamed of you being our God we are not ashamed to say we depend on you we depend on your protection we depend on your guidance. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We appreciate you. We love you. We appreciate you. We embrace you this morning. We glorify your name. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Manasseh. You are Jehovah, dear God a family name you love us we appreciate you even those that are listening in their living rooms they couldn't be here i'm sending a prayer may they feel the holy presence around them may they feel an assurance that god is there where they are may you dear god respond to their needs as well may there be such a shift oh god when believers begin to pray, we know it unlocks something in the heavenly kingdom. Here they are. All of them crying unto you. All of them worshipping you. All of them calling your name. Because they are the priests here. Making intercessions for their families, for their wives, for their husbands, for their children. Everyone dear God. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Father. I appreciate you. Glorify you. Lift you up, dear God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pass me not your gentle Savior, study by just a chorus only. Pass me not your gentle Savior. O Father, we are so thankful, Father. You are worthy of all the praises that we've shown this today, O Father. Oh Lord, many have come here, Father, with heavy burdens, Father. Oh Lord, but we can see your Holy Spirit, Father, walking around this place, O Father. Oh Lord, I believe, Father, that any Father 
a problem that might have come in this midst, Father. You have touched every soul in here, Father. Oh, Lord, we are living in an age, Father, where the devil, Almighty God, is attacking in every form, Father. Oh, he's attacking us physically. He's attacking us mentally. He's attacking us spiritually, Father. He's attacking us emotionally, Father. But, oh, Father, you told us, Almighty God, that when the devil raises a standard, Almighty God, you'll raise it above him, Father. Oh, Lord, we are so grateful, Father, to say we are your sons and daughters this morning, Father. Oh, such love that you have shown us, Father, this morning, Father. Oh, we are so grateful. Grateful Father, let each and every soul, Almighty God, receive according to their heart, Almighty God. Let nobody who came in here walk out of here the same, Almighty God. Oh Lord, return the virtue, Almighty God, to our pastor, Almighty God. Oh Lord, we can see, Almighty God, you speaking through him, Father. And oh Lord, he has touched us this morning, Father. And we are so grateful, Father. Oh Lord, as we are going to our different places, Father. Oh Lord, give us traveling mercies, Father. Let your Holy Spirit be the one who's leading us, Almighty God. Oh Lord, we are so grateful, Father to be given this opportunity, Father, to come and say you are worthy to be praised, Father. Oh, Lord, we are asking all of this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. So, brothers, we'll be here 6.30 on Friday. Amen. God bless you. You will have a, a wonderful time. I'm looking forward to Friday. 6.30, even if you make it before 7, it's fine. But let's make it half past 6. Let's be punctual because our God will be punctual. God bless you. See you on Friday. Give us a song. And then those that you, if you've got any prayer requests, forward it to me. I will uh, distribute it among the saints and the brothers who will have what we call a culmination meeting to pray all the prayer requests that came through. God bless you richly. Have a blessed week. It's been a pleasure being in his house. Amen. I forgot something. We've got a couple that is going to be baptized. If they can come in the front, just to... All right. Amen. God bless you. A round of applause for them. Brother Borero will baptize them. Brothers, let's go and support Brother Borero as well. It's good to attend baptismal service, but we know in due time when we build, we will baptize them in church. Amen. God bless you. We appreciate you, Brother Borero, for standing in the gap. Brothers, let's, let's give them reinforcement. God bless you. Shalom. Even sisters. Amen.